A good start envisions the end result by Bryce Harper. Thank you for joining. This is episode 22 from Fear to Courage, and this is Bryce Harper speaking. Thank you for joining those who have been a part and listening and commenting. Appreciate you. Um, I'm doing this for me, and I hope it's a blessing to anybody who just tunes in has been following I am the husband to an amazing wife. We'll be celebrating 13 years of marriage this summer. Sarah Harper, we have two amazing girls. Mary Catherine Jubilee Harper, who'll be turning six in July. And then Madeline Brooke, she turned two this past January. And life has been good. We love it. We want more kids. And as God wills, uh, we'll see how that goes. And um, I, we are also the lead pastors of Family Worship Center here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 3045 Memorial Boulevard. If you're in the region don't have a church, you can, man, you can check us out on YouTube, website, familywc.com, and man, just come and visit, come hang out. We have a nine o'clock service at 11 o'clock, Wednesday, 630. We love to just hang out, get to know you. We are in a series right now, part two, this past Sunday, entitled After Effects, kind of talking about post-resurrection of Jesus, and we're in this Easter season leading up to Pentecost Sunday on June 5th. So I've been in this series kind of talking about some things pre-resurrection, post-resurrection. And so I want to do that. I want to talk about something pre-resurrection within Passion Week, Holy Week, and then also something on the heels of Jesus' resurrection. Luke chapter 20, after Jesus comes in on his triumphant entry, he's, he, we see him here in Luke 20 verse 1. One day as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders came up to him. As a pastor, as a speaker, there's nothing more frustrating or uh, maybe you've seen some like um, videos on YouTube or maybe some parody accounts on Instagram where maybe somebody interrupts somebody in preaching or maybe you've been in a service where somebody interrupts a preacher, uh, the person who's speaking. It's extremely awkward, uh, unprofessional. Um, and just not right and not appropriate at all. And um, here we have Jesus teaching, and then these elders come up. I can't imagine for myself something like that happening, but then seeing Jesus have to go through it, I can't imagine um, what that moment looked like, felt like. And, and so with this kind of topic today of moving from fear to courage there was a lot of fear wrapping around pre post resurrection Jesus comes in on the triumphant entry they're saying Hosanna I mean they are they are waving the palm branches they are just declaring him king and now he's in the temple teaching and here he is being interrupted and I feel like a lot of times in our our relationship with God and his teachings we want him to save us, but then we don't want him to speak to us. We don't want him to turn the tables over. We don't want him to be so at the center where he is now the one dictating the content um, that is being taught to us. And, and I really sense as a generation that wants to be saved, but then at the same time doesn't want Jesus to speak. But if you want to move from fear to courage, I'm going to give you four things today. Number one, you got to let Jesus speak. You have to let Jesus speak if you want to move from fear to courage. Let Jesus speak. Give him time and space to adequately describe and explain, define, 
um, foundation for you, explanation for you. And from this moment, kind of on Holy Week, we, we see Jesus um, in communion, in breaking bread, Last Supper with the disciples before crucifixion, before resurrection. He, he sits down with his disciples. Peter is going to deny him three times. Judas is at, Judas is at the table. He's, he's going to betray. He's in the process of betraying Jesus and mulling all that over. And it's just so fascinating to me that Jesus meets with these <laughs> disciples and one of them's going to betray him. One, one of them's going to deny him three times and, and Jesus still invites him. His last night <laughs> before crucifixion gets them all together, gets some bread, gets some juice and, and, and he gives thanks to God. He, he brings them together despite their dilemmas and their agendas and their inconsistency in their relationship with him. He gets them together and says, God, thank you. And, and even as you think about his posturing on the cross, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I guess I have a little bit of just a little bit of a, I don't know, complex and just seeing all that. In some sense, these things are very, very bold things. I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times. Not just like once because he got kind of nervous, like three times. You know, Judas like betrayed Jesus. He went to great extent to fulfill that. And I, we, we understand Jesus didn't, nobody took Jesus' life. He gave it. But then there was um, humanity that kind of played its role in the midst of of all of that and... You know, Jesus says things like, you know, they know not what they do. And and I agree with Jesus at the same time as I see individuals. And, you know, it kind of did, you know, they they did know what they were doing. And yet he, he gets among he gets among these guys and says, man, let's let's give thanks to God. And I don't know how else to explain it, but moving from fear to courage. Number one, obviously, let Jesus speak. Number two, just let haters eat. Just let them eat. Just let them just be. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, you can't control anybody. You can't control the comment section sometime on your social media. You can't control um, what people are going to say in text messages to other people and not say to you directly to your face and the things they're going to do behind your back. Just let them eat. Um and stop trying to figure out what everybody else's agenda is. And I'm so encouraged that despite Peter's um, future denial, Judas's betrayal, it did not change or dictate the mission that Jesus had before him. We have to be that same way. Let Jesus speak, let the, let the haters eat, and let the mission and the calling that God has has put on our life. Don't let anything else around it dictate. Um, only let God's word um, dictate uh, the mission on our lives. And so I'm encouraged by that um, to be obedient to just God. 
who he wants who he wants me to be, what he wants me to do, when and how, and let God define that. Not let somebody else's betrayal, not let somebody else's denial. And um, Mike Courtney quoted this in Wednesday night in our midweek teaching: "In essentials, unity; and non-essentials, liberty; and all things, charity." I think someone else wrote that, but I'm going to give it to Mike Courtney. I think he was quoting somebody else, but I can't remember in my notes who that was. But in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty and all things charity. Paul writes a lot about this in Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. I'm not going to read through that, but you can read. He's talking about, I know what to do, but I do what is wrong. You know, the sinful nature in me. And I love the law, but I I find myself not doing what the law you know, is, is telling me to do. I love God with all my heart, yet I find my heart deceiving me. What a miserable person. He kind of goes through all this. And then in Romans 8, he says, so there's, you know, what is the answer? You know, he says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. The answer is in Jesus. Um, and then in Romans, he says, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus because you belong to him. Uh, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And then in Romans 8, 14 through 19, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you a, that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as your own children. And now we call him Abba Father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. So now we're on point number three. All right. So number one was how to move from fear to courage. Number one, let Jesus speak, let haters eat, let the Spirit lead. And then in Luke 20, verse 2, they demanded, the, the religious leaders, teachers of the law, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the right? Um, again, just appalling to think about this moment. Here is creation looking to God saying, by what authority do you have these things? And if we're not careful... And if we are more consumed with how we believe God should do things, we'll, we'll actually miss what he is currently doing. So we have to be humble. We have to be humble to be able to receive what God is, is not, not only what he's going to do, but what he's currently doing. Jesus is, is in this moment speaking, doing the will of the Father. And for, for a select few of, of religious leaders, it wasn't how they thought it should be. And because of that, they were missing what God was actually doing. They were consumed with their, with their ideology than his de- demonstrative theology. They missed his spiritual theology because of their religious anthropology. They also failed to see that humility is a means of comprehension. Right, Proverbs nine ten. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So obviously, we know the context, we know their agenda, we know the narrative, we know what's going to happen, and that they are they are getting getting they're doing their best to remove Christ, and and um, so I think there has to be this inner um, assessment as we are 
if we're truly contending for the truth, you know, are we, do we desire the, the answer or the truth or do we want our own, do we want attention for ourselves? And it was obviously for the religious leaders at this time. They didn't, they didn't necessarily want the truth. They wanted their version uh, of, of, of the truth that had them at the center. And, um, you know, if we truly want the truth, we have to be truthful about ourselves and our posturing, not just our questioning, but us as questionnaires. What kind of jaded, soulish agenda do we have um, in coming to Scripture, in coming to church, in coming to the knowledge of God? And so, um, you know, where the Spirit of the God, of, where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Examine yourself. If anything the religious leaders in this moment could have done that would have been most helpful is to examine themselves. Anything that we can do right now in the moments that we're living in, it's easy to point the finger at all the other things, all the other dysfunctions and divisions um, that are in our world and our country and in our communities. But examining ourselves, looking in, looking in the mirror, um, again, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So how to move from fear to courage, let Jesus speak, let the haters eat, let the spirit lead, and then let truth complete, let truth do this complete intrinsic and extrinsic work in our lives. You can Google generational comparison of Jonathan Edwards versus Max Jukes. It's it's just absolutely appalling. You got to go look it up of just the genealogy of one person's life, and it's and it's an extreme of one on one end of the spectrum to the other. Jonathan Edwards, who was by far the most, you know, we could probably say he was the most influential philosopher and theologians in American history. And then Max Duke, who was this, you know, criminal who had. All these descendants that did all these terrible things, and then the descendants of Jonathan Edwards, which is a long list of attorneys, clergymen, professors, uh, president of universities, um, uh, a vice president of the United States. And it just comes down to um, just one life, one person, allowing these things of Jesus speaking, not letting... Um, other outside haters to dictate your mission. Let the haters eat, let the spirit lead, and let truth, um, let the truth complete. And so on through Luke, let me ask you a question. Jesus replied to these religious leaders, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why why we didn't believe John, but if we say it was merely human, the people will stone us because they are convinced John was a prophet. So they finally replied that they didn't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. So again, it goes back to examining ourselves. If we want to know truth and be truthful with ourselves, Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things because you are not being truthful with 
yourself. To, to begin to have genuine faith, we have to be genuinely real with ourselves um, in the innermost part of our heart and in our soul. John 20, verse 18 through 22, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, so we're now here we are post-resurrection. That was pre-resurrection. Now we're post-resurrection. I've seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. And that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of who? The Jewish leaders, these religious leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and on his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And man, that's that's a heavy statement, you know, because here Jesus just just went through all this stuff. And as the Father had sent him, now I'm sending you. And then verse 22, so incredibly just powerful. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is before Acts 2. This is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the mighty rushing wind. You know, hey, go tear into you, receive power. And, you know, this is before the ascension of Jesus. And he breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and, for, and, and this is going back, looking at Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into man, and the man became a living person. There is something God wants to do in, in our lives, in these inner chambers like the disciples were just locked away, scared, fearful, no courage. Jesus makes a way into their life, into their situation. Peace be with you. As God has sent me, I'm sending you. Now receive the Holy Spirit. And before we see something in our nation, in our world, you know, before we, we see like global awakening, there's going to be a, a national awakening. Before there's a national awakening, there's going to be a, a, a state awakening. That's going to be because there's a city awakening. That's going to be because there's a church in awakening. And that's going to be because there are individuals in awakening. Homes and marriages and just fathers and mothers and, and youth that are in spiritual awakening, in these inner chambers of just fear, of just unknown. And Jesus is going to walk in and say, peace be with you. I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And before there's going to be a great awakening, there's going to be an inner awakening in our hearts and in our lives. And um, God always starts with individuals. Um, yeah, And that bleeds into churches. And that gets into the community. That gets into the state, gets into the nation, gets into the globe. And it always starts with just you and me. Like Jonathan Edwards, it started with one man. Started, it's going to start with you and your family lineage. It's going to start with um, your children. Um, you doing something way different that's been done. You breaking certain you know, systems of behavior within your family lineage. Say, so, hey, you know, it ends with me, and we're going to be starting this and we're going to move into the courage of God, the after effects of resurrection that's available to us. And, and I hope this has been a blessing to you and you're encouraged by it. Thank you for tuning in and listening. If you don't have a local church, hey, we're here, Murfreesboro Family Worship Center on 3045 Memorial Boulevard's address every Sunday, 9 and 11. 
Wednesday, 6.30 for midweek discipleship. This Tomorrow night, I'm recording this on Tuesday, but tomorrow is our first Wednesday prayer. So um, adults will be meeting in our main auditorium, and we're going to be praying from about 6.30 to about to about 8 o'clock. And um, every other Wednesday is is discipleship and teaching, and all of our other kids every Wednesday is going to be doing teaching. And so, um, man, thank you for joining and listening. And don't ever forget, a good start envisions the end result.